I have been to Israel almost 50 times and I have read many Holy Land travelogues. But the most unusual and fascinating book I have ever read about visiting Israel is one called Finding Jesus in Israel. For an interview with its very talented author, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My special guest this week is Buck Storm, the author of this book, Finding Jesus in Israel. I love its whimsical cover. Also in the studio with me is Bill Perkins. Bill is a great friend of mine. He's the founder of a ministry called Compass International, which sponsors the Stealing the Mind conferences that focus on defending the fundamentals of the Christian faith. Welcome to Christ in Prophecy, guys. Glad to have you here. And Buck, I have just been looking forward so much to interviewing you about this book which has such a whimsical cover on it. I love it. Yeah. And of course I haven't been to Israel as many times as I could. I, I could imagine myself in all these places that you're describing and, 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 and I, had, I found a few new ones that I hadn't been to but no. most of them I've been to and I could put myself there. Okay, uh, both of these fellows incidentally have written a wonderful new book called The List. They've co-authored that together and it is a wonderful book about the crucifixion of Jesus and the involvement of Joseph of Arimathea and uh, Nicodemus in that. And it also emphasizes the importance of Bible prophecy as a tool of evangelism. Now that's one of the reasons I've got Bill on the, on the set because he and and Buck have written a book together. But there's another reason I've got Bill on the set, and that's because Bill is the one who introduced Buck to Israel. And in fact, Buck has a comment in his book about that. He says, my first trip to Israel was with Bill Perkins and Compass International. I like Bill. He's generous. He's a walking Bible commentary. My favorite part, he has that super smooth southern accent that makes you want to sit on a front porch swing dipping ice cold lemonade or sipping ice cold lemonade or sweet tea. That's the kind of writing this fellow does, folks. I mean, it's just unbelievable what he can, what he can. How about that, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> what can you well, say? Really? <laughs> uh, you got, I guess you can say shalom, y'all. <laughs> shalom, y'all. <laughs> yeah, I tell you. Okay. Well, Buck, I must begin this interview by asking you a very personal question. Is your name really Buck Storm, or is that a literary name? That is my name. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a great literary name. Well, thank you. It'd be a great name for a movie star. I mean, that's a, that's a great name. And so your mom came up with that, huh? That's right. Okay. Well, Buck, I have often heard that it's said that a pilgrimage to the Israel converts the Bible from black and white into technicolor. What do you have to say about that? Well, I think it's really true. You know, uh, we can imagine things. We can uh, read about things from a time. Many of us, you know, Sunday school, we've we've seen the flannel graph, Noah's Ark, you know, yeah. and uh, but when you actually set foot in in a land and you walk the land, yeah, the the you see where this valley is in conjunction with this mountain, and you know, uh, and you walk the streets of Jerusalem, you walk the the steps up to the temple that you know Jesus stood right. on. Right. You know, you will go to Caesarea Philippi, and you you stand where where Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I am? You know, 
uh, those things stick in your mind. And when you go back to the scripture, you, you never read the Bible the same. Well, Bill, you take a lot of groups to Israel just like we do. And uh, I know that uh, uh, when you take those groups that uh, you can just see them their eyes enlightening, uh, the, uh, understanding things they never understood before. Because, you know, before you go to Israel, Capernaum is a word on a page. But after you've been there, you've been there. You've seen it. You've smelled it. You've tasted it. You, you, and, and you get a sense of, 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 of distance of how far Capernaum is from Jerusalem, which you don't have before. Talk about well, going to Israel. You know, I think my, I took my seven-year-old and I was a little, felt like I was kind of an expense and was worried that I had done the wrong thing. And when we got back home from Israel, we were doing our Bible studies and we were going through the book of uh, the Gospels and it got to a point where Jesus had just been resurrected from the dead. And as he said to his disciples, meet me in Galilee. And she looked up at me as a seven-year-old and said, way up there? <laughs> And I was like, oh, it was worth the trip. Because you know, she got the perspective. And that's what happens to people. You understand where things are. And you understand the Temple Mount. And you understand the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Mount of Olives. And the Caesarea. And all those things. And driving around the Sea of Galilee. All that. And it just it sticks with you forever. That's right. Well, Buck, uh, your first introduction to Israel was with a formal tour. Mm -hmm. But then you decided to go back on your own. And uh, with a friend and also with a group of friends, you've done several trips back on your own where you really ventured off the beaten path, stayed at hostels where there's, you know, you got to fight the cockroaches and the, and the bathroom is all the way down the hall where everybody uses the same one. And, and so, uh, this book is full of, of interesting stories about off the path places that you visit and very colorful characters that you visit. Tell us a little bit about visiting Israel off the beaten path. Well, you know, to, to get a sense of a country, it's, it's always good to, you know, step out and, and talk to people, you know, and, and kind of uh, uh, see what a place has to offer. And I remember, I remember one of my favorite interactions was a guy, in, uh, and I write about it in the book, is, a guy on the, on the boardwalk in Tiberias. And I was, I just walked out of an ice cream shop. My wife was off in a, you know, shopping. It was nighttime. And uh, this uh, kind of wild looking Jewish guy's hair was kind of askew. And, and, you know, he came walking up and he's holding up two fingers and shouting two things at me. He's just saying two things. Two scary things. guy. Yeah. And I'm going two things. And so he comes up and he says, two things you can't mention if we're going to have this conversation. And I'm thinking, so we're having a conversation. You know? Okay, I'm in. I'm here. You know. And he says, Clinton and Obama. You can't mention those two things. He assumed all Americans support him. Uh, apparently. And so I said, I, so I, of course, my, you know, I, went, I said, well, so is that uh, you know, Bill or Hillary that I can't mention? He said, either one. I said, well, that's technically three things. You know? And so then we debated about you know, how many things we weren't going to mention. But... You know, things like that where you just have these, these immediate, you know, conversations with people. Well, Buck, uh, your, your book is full of 30 brief stories about experiences in Israel. And each one of these stories ends with a profound spiritual insight. That's one of the things I love about this book. And um, I, I, I want to give people a taste of it. So let's go to one of your chapters, a chapter entitled, A Little Angel Angel Offers Little Sins. And let's read the section at the end. But before you read that section, what do you mean a little angel offers little sins? Well, I, you know, I wrote, when I set out to write this book, uh, I was asked to write the book. Um, I didn't want to write another, uh, uh, you know, theological, right. you know, 
you know, dissertation on Israel or political. I wanted to get into the people. Uh, and I'd read an article a while back uh, about a guy who had, had seen one of the tart cards that you see sometimes in some of the, uh, the, the tourist cities, Tel Aviv, you know, a lot, that they'll go out and litter the ground with these pictures of, of basically prostitutes, provocative, provocatively dressed women. And uh, one of the cards said, a little angel offers little sins. And um, that broke my heart. It literally broke my heart because I've got I've got a daughter, yeah. you know, and uh, so I was out one morning uh, or very early. I left one of the hostels that you're talking about on the on the shores of the Mediterranean in Tel Aviv, and, and was walking around just looking at these tar cards, and and I, I wanted to tell that story, you know, I wanted to tell the story that Israel is uh, a wonderful place, and Israel is a, a chosen place, but Israel's also human, yeah. and Israel, what Israel really is, is the story of God's interaction with mankind. It, it, it's very, it, it's very hard. So that's what, that's why I wanted to tell okay, that story. Well, let's read the last section of that, uh, of that uh, chapter about the the prostitutes. Sure. Uh, we are weak, but God will be God. He can't change. His eyes on the sparrow and on the lowest sinner, on the mountaintops and in the valleys through the miles. He is there offering love before we ask. He rejoices in our joy. He weeps in our pain because he knows what it is to suffer. When we can't take another step, he smiles. And should we choose, he will pick us up and carry us in his arms. And he is there where a red light burns on a narrow, dark Tel Aviv street. His heart is broken to pieces for a little angel. Please pray for her. Wow. Doesn't that move you, Bill? Mm. <laughs> uh, I, well, let, let's go uh, to another example. You have a chapter in here entitled The Climb. And this is about you and a group of guys who are just driving around uh, Israel and you uh, suddenly you're in the Golan Heights and you've got this steep hill to go up and all of a sudden here's a hundred bicyclers yeah. in front of you and you can't get around them. And no. you've just got to, you know, just go 10 miles an hour up that hill and it takes you 45 minutes to get up yeah, there. Get and then they're gone and you're on your way. But then later you stop at a cafe and there are the bicyclers. And you've got to have a cup of coffee and you sit down and you meet this very unusual fellow. Yeah. And I want you to tell us a little bit about that and then read to us uh, the ending of that chapter. Yeah, I, I actually, uh, we stopped, we actually stopped for ice cream and uh, it, it a little, we pulled off the road and, but I wandered, in, I wandered into a little coffee, coffee house there. So I was kind of alone in that one. And I saw one of the guys sitting there that had been on the bicycle. And so I thought I'd try to, try to strike up a conversation with him, which proved not very easy to do. <laughs> he was not really interested in having a conversation with me. But we did talk a little bit, and you know his English was a little broken. But you know, when I think back on on the trips I've had to Israel, that was one of the most profound uh, conversations I think I've had. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a warm even fuzzy, though he didn't want to talk to you. No, it wasn't a warm fuzzy conversation. But but he really left me with some insight. Yeah. Well, let's read about that on page two twenty five, starting with that last sentence there. He exemplified the dogged strength of these people, this nation. Babylon to Auschwitz to ISIS, the Jews have done more than survive. They have fought, they have lived. They might not feel that they are guaranteed another five minutes, but if they get them, they're going to wring every ounce of life out of them. Joy, pain, and everything in between. They'll get on their bikes and conquer the hill. Along the way, they'll pass no rest stops or big balls of twine and no wall drugstore. And at the end of the ride, they'll pay for their coffee. <laughs> I, I said that, you know, I, I started that chapter um, uh, because uh, talking about America a little bit, you know, we have the American dream here, and it kind of rolls on, you know, Los Angeles to New York, and 
and uh, we, I, I talked a little bit about the road trips in, in America, passing the big ball of twine and wild drug, there's always a free cup of coffee waiting for you, you know, and, and uh, we always have the future to look forward to. But the Jews really, if you look at Israel from their very inception, have never been guaranteed uh, physically from a worldly standpoint another five minutes, you know, from, and so uh, they live in the immediate. And I love what that guy said. He, one, one thing he said, I said, it looked like a tough climb. You know, I said, I saw you on the hill. He said, it looked like a tough climb. And he looked me in the eye and he said, this is Israel, man. Everything's a tough climb. <laughs> wow. You know, that reminds me of what happens when I take groups to Israel. They, by the end of the trip, they're all saying, boy, we'd like to move here. We'd like to live here. And the guide always says, no, it's one thing to be a tourist. It's another thing to live here. Living here is tough. Yeah. And it is. Absolutely. I mean, you have to pay taxes that are beyond anything you can imagine because you've got one of the smallest nations in the world with a big military. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to uh, put up with a lot of uh, constant threats of missiles coming in and that sort of thing. It's, it's just a tough place to live. Absolutely. Yeah. And you really have to. I, am, I, I admire the tenacity of the Jewish people. How about you, Bill? It, yeah. And they all have bomb shelters. Yeah. They all know where to go when they hear the sirens, you know, of the and incoming missiles. And yet they continue missiles. to come from all over the world because yeah. God is drawing them back. It says in the Psalms that He's put the highway to Zion in their hearts, mm -hmm. and He has suddenly triggered that, and they all feel a desire to go back. And you're right. It, God says, I will bring you back. Bring you back. And that's what He's doing. Amen. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and my interview with Buck Storm about the remarkable book, Finding Jesus in Israel. Buck, you have a chapter in here entitled Bones, and it's all about the Mount of Olives where 70,000 Jewish graves are located. And you end that chapter with a very powerful uh, observation that I'd like for you to read to us. Uh, I don't know if you want to say something to lead into that, but anyway, it, what a... What a what a scene that is when you stand on the Mount of Olives, you look out over all those graves. And of course the reason those graves are there is because it says in the book of Zechariah that when the Messiah comes He's going to come back to the Mount of Olives. And of course we're told that in the New Testament also in Acts chapter 1. And so Orthodox Jews want to be buried there because they believe they'll be the first one to be resurrected. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, well I'll read and then I'll say a little bit. Uh, Israel is a miracle because when it comes down to it God is not in the business of death. He is the giver of life. He is the breath of Adam, and he is an empty tomb. He is joy and light and eternity. Israel is impossible, an undisputable miracle on the modern stage. And Israel exists because God promised it would. I love that fact. I think of it every time I stand on stage and sing about Ezekiel's dry bones. If God could work this miracle of Israel against all worldly odds and dark spiritual forces, there is one thing I can take to the bank. His promises are true, and they will not be denied. And God promises me He will never leave me nor forsake me. He promises to complete the work He began in me. He promises that one day He and I will walk arm in arm through the canyons of eternity. And when the stars fade around us, suns burn out, the galaxies are nothing but a distant memory, hosts of angels will sing His praises still. And He will still love me, and I will still love Him. And, bones forgotten, our story will just be getting started. Wow. Well, you write like a poet well, thank you. <laughs> because you are a poet and a songwriter and a musician. And I wish you could just sing some of that to us. It, it sings off the page. That is just so wonderful. Well, Buck, you cover 29 to 30 different sites in this book. 
But you didn't write anything about Israel's most gut-wrenching site, Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Museum. Is there a reason you didn't write about that? Yeah. You know, uh, you're the first person to ask me that question, actually. <laughs> I, I actually started to write about that uh, more than once. Uh, I've been there several times. Yeah. And the, as I got into it, I felt, for me personally, uh, it wasn't my story to write. You know, um, it, it, it's, it's such a, a horrific event in the history of the world. And uh, frankly, I felt like anything I could put down on page was on a page was trivializing yeah. uh, what, it, what it was to actually be at that memorial and, right. and to actually address that, that historical event. So uh, in the end, I figured it just, for me personally, wasn't my business to write, you know. Well, I want to share something with you. Uh, back in um, 1987, I took a sabbatical. I, we started the ministry in 80, and so that was the seventh year, and the trustees asked me to take a sabbatical, which meant I was not to hold any meetings that year. I was only going to do radio. And uh, during that year, I wrote my very first book. It, uh, it's this book here called Trusting God, Learning to Walk by Faith. Mm -hmm. It is now in its third edition, still going strong after all those years. And it's a book that we send to every one of our prophecy partners. When somebody signs up to be a prophecy partner, they get a free copy of this book because it will give them a feel, a real feel of what this ministry is all about and what we're doing. And this is really a, a book of anecdotal stories in which I tell stories about the ministry. And I have, uh, you know, chapters like... Uh, walking by faith, receiving blessings, relying on prayer, believing in miracles, leaning on the Spirit, preaching with power. And one of those chapters is walking in the footsteps of Jesus. And I talk about experiences that I had in the Holy Land, and one of them focuses on Yad Vashem. And I want to read this to you. You've been reading to me. Yeah, I want to read yeah. this to you, okay? <laughs> so this was in 1984, uh, very early in the ministry, and my mom and dad went on this trip, and my oldest daughter, Ruth, who was 23 years old at that time, when I visited Yad Vashem with the group that included my family members, everything seemed to go well until it was time to depart. We counted heads and my daughter Ruth, 23 years old, was missing. I started searching for her, but I couldn't find her anywhere, in the museum or outside the museum. I went through the museum a second time, but still could not find her. As I was about to exit the second time, I noticed a stairway was open that I had rarely seen open during regular tourist hours. And I knew where it led because I'd been there several times. It led to a long, narrow, dark room where individual records are stored concerning every person who perished in the Holocaust. This is a research facility that is rarely visited by tourists. I went bounding up the stairs and peered into the dark room, and at the far end I could see a form of a person in the shadowy darkness. No one ever speaks above a whisper in this room, so I could not call out to see if it was my daughter. I walked to the other end, and sure enough it was Ruth. She was standing there holding on to a display stand with both hands. The stand had a dim light on it. The light illuminated a sample document under glass. It showed the photograph of a little girl 10 years old. The document contained her vital statistics, place of birth, parents, home address, place of arrest, place of imprisonment, date, and place of execution. It read in a matter-of-fact style. Ruth was weeping. I put my arm around her and hugged her. Daddy, she whispered, how could this happen? I couldn't speak. We just stood there, arm in arm, weeping together, staring at the picture of a child who represented six million of God's chosen people. Wow. It's an awesome place to visit. It is, yeah. And uh, I have seen people 
who simply could not take it. They would run through it and run out. They just could not take it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember in the old Holocaust Museum, before they redid it, when you walked in, one of the very first signs, uh, very first pictures that you saw was a picture of a crucifix of Jesus on the outskirts of a town. And it was a large crucifix, and above it was the name of the town, a German town. And under the name of the town, in German, it said, No Jews allowed. And here was a Jew on a cross, but no Jews allowed in the town there in Germany. Yeah. Wow. Bill, tell us about your, some of your experiences over there that have touched you deeply. Gee, I think that one of the things that, that you, um, it's, it's so moving to be um, uh, in there. In fact, they have the, what they call the Jerusalem syndrome, you know, that yes. some oh, people yeah. just, you just, it's overwhelming, you know, and I, I've had a, I had a lady one time that we were on the Sea of Galilee and, and we were singing and, and she was uh, getting into it and, and she, it was so moving to her that she thought rapture was happening and she went up on the back of the ship and threw her passport in the water and threw her wedding rings in the water and threw her shoes in the water and threw her arms up to be raptured. And of course she didn't get raptured and then she was embarrassed, but it was a, but those type things, I mean, <laughs> Israel is a moving place. I mean, it, 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 it captures your heart and, and if you're not careful, you can, you can lose it over there. What's your favorite site in Israel? My favorite site is the top of the Mount of Olives where you can see so much in there, where you can see Caiaphas house and you can see the Temple Mount and you can see the Garden of Gethsemane. You can see where Jesus was crucified. You, and it's a great place to do a Bible study. I mean, that's the most, it's, it's such a privilege to do a Bible study up there. What, what's your favorite place? You know, it's, that's like saying, what's your favorite food? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I, I've thought about that before because people have asked that before. Sometimes it's the, 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 you know, Galilee or maybe up north by Lebanon where you see the, the blossoms all, you know, in bloom. Or, or sometimes it's the desert, you know, I, mm. I love the desert. Honestly, there's been times where it's been I'm sitting on the tarmac on the plane on my way home, <laughs> uh, you know, just tired. Uh, but, but then when I land, I'm ready to go back, you know. You know, it's interesting that you should mention that because... Uh, quite often people who go to Israel with me will say, boy, I just love that trip. It was wonderful. I, I never had anything like it, but I'll never go again because that airplane trip is just <laughs> too awful. I have too many hours on that plane. I can't stand it again. Yeah. And within a year, they're calling and saying, when's your next trip to Israel? <laughs> it's kind of like a woman having a baby and then Forget she forgets about, about all the birth pains and everything. Wants to have another one. <laughs> but it, 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 that has happened so many times. Uh, when I think about Israel, uh, I, I certainly think about standing on the Mount of Olives and looking out because when you stand there, if you have any spiritual discernment whatsoever, you understand what Ezekiel says when he says this is the center of the world. This is it. This is the spiritual center of planet Earth. This is where God came. This is where He's going to return. This is where He died. This is where He's resurrected. And you can just sense it in your spirit. And you know why uh, that that Satan uh, inspires, if anybody gets close to the Temple Mount, he inspires uh, the whole world press to condemn them or whatever. He, he, it's just, but my favorite place is the Garden Tomb. I, I just love to go to the Garden Tomb and I just love to sit there and meditate and uh, 
we love to take groups there and sing and, and have a devotional about that. It's just something very special about that place. We, when we take groups to Israel, we give each of them a silver pendant that I designed, and it's the garden entrance to the garden tomb, and it's designed, it looks as, uh, exactly like the garden tomb. For them to take home as a memento, they always wear it on that garden tomb day, you know, girls do, but, but it reminds them of it. And we, we use it as an evangelism piece because people will ask a woman, you know, where is that? You know, what, what is that? And I tell them, I said, just um, watch their reaction. Say, it's where Jesus rose from the dead in Jerusalem. And I said, if they're excited, you're, you're fellowship. And if they're confused, you're witnessing. So you know what you're doing just That's by their reaction. My wife's favorite place was always the uh, Mount of Beatitudes, the chapel there. And um, I went 25 times before she went. I think maybe 20 times because she didn't like to travel. And I finally talked her into going. And then she wanted to go back again and again and again. Uh, and I'll never forget something I did that uh, almost ended our marriage, and that is on our 25th anniversary she went. And the second night a fellow came to me and he said, I'm traveling with my dad who's 85 years old. He's driving me nuts. He snores like a Boeing 747. I haven't gotten any sleep since I got here. What can I do? I said, I'll get you a private room. I can't afford a private room. Well, they were giving the tour host a suite. And I said, well, why don't you come and just sleep in, in, in our suite? We'll put you on the couch, you know, in, in the... And Ann said, I can't believe you invited a total stranger to come and share our room on our 25th wedding anniversary. She never let me forget that. But we, later on, we looked back and just laughed about it. We had a lot of fun. But we have so many wonderful memories there. And I just encourage any of you who have never been to Israel, this is the time to go. Just pray about it. I've had people say, I can't afford it. I said, pray about it. Pray and, and see if God will open a door and provide that funds. And I've seen it happen time after time after time that God will open the door and supply the funds and they get to go and it changes their lives. Well, Buck and Bill, I want to thank you for being our very special guest today. And uh, let's tell our viewers how they can get in touch with your ministries by giving your website addresses. Thanks for having us. It's compass.org. And Buck? Very simple, buckstorm.com. That is simple. Okay. Well, folks, in a moment, our announcer will tell you how you can get a copy of Buck's book about Israel. And you will also be told how you can get a copy of the new historical novel written by both Buck and Bill about the crucifixion of Jesus and the roles that Nicodemus and Joseph of, of Arimathea played in that particular event. Well, that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you. Until next week, the Lord willing, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. You can get a copy of Buck Storm's book, Finding Jesus in Israel, for a gift of $25 or more, including shipping. The book is hardbound and runs 236 pages. It contains 30 short chapters about unusual experiences in Israel and their spiritual significance. It can be used as a daily devotional book for a month's time. Dr. Reagan highly recommends the book as the most fascinating one about modern-day Israel that he has ever read. Although Dr. Reagan has been to Israel more than 45 times, he says he discovered new things about the Holy Land in every chapter. To get a copy of the book, you can place your order through our website at lambline.com, or you can call the number you see on the screen Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time. Buck Storm is also one of the authors of the new fascinating novel, The List. 
It is the story of the interaction of Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea during the weeks leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus. It is available in paperback edition for a gift of $20 or more, including shipping. Or you can secure both books for a gift of only $35 or more, including shipping. Just ask for offer number 871. Again, to place your order, visit our website at lamblion.com or call the number on your screen. Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 